This is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nest Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are celebrating our third birthday, which was on April 15th, along with our breaking the 150,000 download barrier a week earlier. Today, we are releasing three special conversations, each containing one of the interviews we included with this week's episode. Over the weekend, we will release more typical conversational cuts from the main podcast recording session. Before we start, I want to thank the three sponsors of our third birthday celebration, Magical Pharmaceuticals, Novo Nordisk, and Inventiva Pharma, along with some of the patient advocacy organizations that have been supporters since we started the podcast, notably included the Global Liver Institute, Nash Knowledge, the Fatty Liver Foundation, and the Fatty Liver Alliance. I'm sure I've forgotten somebody. Please accept my apology. Finally, I want to thank Louise Campbell, our lead surfer, who joined me for all three of these interviews, and Stephen Harrison and Jorn Schottenberg, the two other lead surfers who didn't join these interviews, but have been with us on the podcast episode and throughout this entire fantastic three-year journey. This conversation captures the interview that Louise Campbell and I conducted with Donna Cryer, founder and CEO of the Global Liver Institute and, back in 2020, a co-host on this podcast for a while. The conversation looks at how the Nash field, hepatology, and the patient community have changed and grown over that time. We trace our time forward from the beta-colic acid complete response letter in 2020 to today. Donna notes the importance of having voices in this space, starting with hers and mine, with commercial and advocacy perspectives as we all rode the ups and downs of the last three years of drug development. The conversation proceeds to discuss the many ways that patient advocacy, as embodied by GLI and others, has advanced the role of the patient in the development and care pathway processes over this time, and as Donna puts it, creates the importance of having a vote instead of merely a voice. We also discuss the ways the patient's painful experiences, including Donna's, have shaped their advocacy and their ability to educate regulators, manufacturers, and other stakeholders about how pivotal better patient care, make that better whole patient care, is in the broad vision of disease. We discussed Donna's vision of the Nash world three years from now with Nash drugs, better tests, and ways to use them contributions from AI, and better ways to screen, diagnose, and treat patients. In turn, this will lead us to think about the central role of the liver, metabolic health differently, and maybe to drive a better understanding of wellness throughout the system, driven, in turn, by increased understanding of and ability to treat the liver. Each of the interviews in this series provides an opportunity to understand what drives a key player in the evolving community and what they see happening in the future from their vantage point. Listening to these three interviews and the conversations that capture the lead surfer dialogue will give you a pretty good flavor of where we've been and where we're going from the vantage points of several different individuals. I'm thrilled to have been part of it. So um, I'm here with erstwhile surfer and GLI founder and CEO, Donna Cryer. Donna, great to see you today. How are you doing? Donna Cryer. I am doing well. Fun fact, I actually do know how to surf. I, I learned in Hawaii when I was 13. It did not prepare me in any way for the surfing that we are doing on this podcast, but I just wanted to note that for the record. Well, but we also know that you do great podcasts for those of us who watch GLI Live at noon every Wednesday, East Coast time. So you can surf and you can podcast. I think you're the whole package. I think you got it all covered. <laughs> Thank you. So we're taking this week to look back three years and look forward three years. You haven't heard this, but when we play this episode, I will lead in with your introduction when we introduced you as a full-time surfer for the first time. That lasted for a couple of months, and then we completely wore you out. I guess that is true. I think it was the event schedule at ASLD that did you in. But we've all come a long way in three years, hey? We have. So I am so excited about the opportunity to wish Surfing the National Tsunami and you uh, third birthday to last to the three-year mark is 
no small feat, particularly as this field of NASH has changed, hepatology has changed, podcasting and how people consume media has changed. And to successfully navigate that in perpetual growth mode is really something to be applauded and recognized. So I thank you for giving us the opportunity to do so. Thank you for that. That's very kind of you to say. I kind of feel like uh, we've been drinking out of a fire hose for three years. The only difference is that there's more water going into the house all the time. And my face gets flushed harder every week, but it's a good thing. I'm happy with that. So we were talking about this yesterday with Stephen on the main episode. When you first came on with us, it was International Nash Day 2020. And that was about the time that Intercept got their CRL on OCA, which was in no particular order, a really down day for everybody in Nashville and led to one of the fascinating episodes in the history of our podcast with, as I noted yesterday, a guest that you recommended. <laughs> Blame it on me. Blame it on me. I, I accepted it and I drove the discussion. Good entertainment, though. One of the things that is so important, I, I think, when we look back on the on the annals of Nash and how this field and this movement began, the adding of your voice and expertise, the adding of this podcast to the mix in the ecosystem will be seen as a very important catalyst, a very important element of what I believe will ultimately be a very successful field. And that's because uh, you bring so many things, but a background in understanding the business, the market research, the industry side to this to balance the science. I think that's also where perhaps a little unexpectedly I was able to add value as well. Certainly, I bring uh, the patient voice and experience, but I am also very steeped in the business of healthcare, the incentives of healthcare, the motivations of different stakeholders in healthcare. The two of us have really worked in a very complementary fashion to anchor the community, both at its high points and its low points, in the realities of what it actually takes to get a therapy approved, what it actually takes to get a therapy adopted. And we've been sort of very, for the most part, politely, certainly on your end, very politely and thoughtfully. Sometimes I'm a little passionate, you know, keeping them uh, reality based. You know, I think that's fair. One of the benefits I think we both brought at that particular moment was for me to say this might not be a bad thing. And not because it was a good thing, but because, and frankly, I think it's turned out okay. I, I, look, I said this a whole bunch of times. I think had that drug gotten approved, uh, commercial development would all be around what do you do after an FXR, and that wouldn't be nearly as helpful as, as what we had to go through. Now, now, my people spent 40 years in the desert after the pharaoh set us free. So I understand what it's like to wander around without knowing exactly where you're going to wind up. The sea is not parted yet, but we're hoping to see that event later this year, right? Right. And, and if we could avoid idolizing the, the golden calf, we could arrive there sooner. So I think you're, you're absolutely right. If we keep focused on the right things, then, uh, you know, our path can uh, be a little a little straighter. And that one, though, I think you and GLI have been amazingly valuable. I was listening to some old stuff to get ready for this. And the first time you came on here and said nothing about us without us, I don't think anyone would even consider that anymore. And, you know, in all fairness to the field before, there are many things that other entities, whether corporate or physician or researchers, would have had to do if they 
there were not a GLI, if there were not effective advocacy in the space, if we had not come in and built the Nash Council to be a, a home and a hub and a neutral platform for medical societies and patients and industry and an expanded group of, of advocacy organizations from sports to endocrinology and really put that framework together, it, it would have been understandable why the patient voice could have been discounted. We had to do our due diligence to bring to collect ourselves and to train ourselves to be effective partners in that seat at the table. Since we have more than done that, yes, now there is no excuse but to have the patient voice involved. And not just a voice, you know, as I said to a group of advocates yesterday about my experiences at my first FDA as a member of the advisory committee itself, having a vote is even better than having a voice. So having an active role in the formation of all of these elements of NASH, whether that's in the guidelines or the nomenclature or research protocols, having that active participation by patients is for everyone's benefit, certainly first and foremost, the patient, but the research is made better. The industry partners are made better for that input and engagement, and we're really happy to be able to provide that. I think that's fair. I have two thoughts about that. Number one is that a significant amount of that is due to the active engagement of patients who were mistreated or mishandled by the system in the early days of their NASH. But buttressed by you, who didn't, I don't think of you as a NASH patient, I certainly think of you as a liver patient, but, and that whole breadth of experience, everything from CNN Crossfire over to FDA advisory, over to law degree, over to PR, over to 27, is it now 27 year transplant survivor? 28. 28. Okay. And counting. Uh, That's a lot. So hi there. So Louise has joined us. So everything that you brought, I think all that was necessary at at, at different moments. And and frankly, and your ability to to change key, to be um, positive, affirmative, virtually gentle at moments. Did you list those moments for me? (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and significantly more strident at other moments. Thank you for all of that. And yes, it's true. I am quite unique and the field is lucky to have me. Um, I, uh, you know, I We're going to take out the ha when we uh, edit this tape, Donna. So it sounds like a complete I am the goddess moment. Louise Campbell. To be fair, Roger, she is. I do feel that I was called for a purpose, that the, the pain that I experienced in my journey is for a reason. It matters because I can transform it into change for others and improving the system for others. I am really grateful for all these different parts of my background and experience that I can bring on behalf of liver patients and on behalf of the field of hepatology and of NASH. Certainly as a person who is living with uh, several chronic illnesses, I I do wish maybe all of those skills weren't needed. (laughs) And and I'm looking forward to uh, um, uh, certainly, I mean, as Team GLI is growing and and taking on more more and more of that, but uh, so are other liver advocates that we've been able to incubate. Um, And some as the field as it is evolving and some, um, you know, as, as healthcare, as it realizes how it needs to be more authentically 
really patient-centered and, and what that means in, in actual execution and what whole person care looked like. Um, there, there are days in healthcare experiences where I feel, okay, maybe, maybe I have been heard. Maybe I can go retire on a beach somewhere um, mm-hmm. at some point. So. I, I don't see that in your dance card. I just, you know, you, you do that for three days and then you grab a phone or something. It's, and, I, and I know that you're capable of relaxing and retiring, but I also know the level of urgency and the things that you look at. So let, let's do this. Let, let's, we've come a long way in three years. Patients are listened to, right? Sometimes. <laughs> and, 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 and by the way, sometimes a vote, sometimes a voice, sometimes uh, in the room, but not necessarily, and even getting to speak, but not necessarily being heard. Let's uh, go to the mountaintop and look three years out. What does this world look like at that moment? Three years out, three years from now, we will have multiple NASH medications approved. We will have prioritized non-invasive diagnostics. And by that, I mean, there'll be a clearer order and preference and use case for a handful rather than a multitude. I think AI will be more firmly embedded and useful. We will have a better method from a community and health system process uh, standpoint of identifying patients and putting them into care. Louise's program will be, you know, worldwide. Um, And we will have liver health centers, and and NASH is really the essential element of enabling those to happen um, because of its connections to metabolic health, its connections on the other side to cancer, its connections to things that people understand and care about. NASH really will be the thing that allows us to break through and create liver health centers that are able to work across, you know, prevention to very advanced stages of disease. I think it will happen just that quickly um, because we have all the elements. Now we just need a few essential catalysts, the first and second approvals being just some of those sparks. It, it's interesting. The famous baseball philosopher Yogi Berra once said, when you get to a fork in the road, take it. But I can actually see this road going in two forks and us taking both of them at once. One is the one you just described, which is liver health as a focus in its own right. And the other is the conversation we were having with Amy Articolo this morning and have had several times, which is it feels to me as if everything is folding in on itself, right? Diabetes, obesity, lots of things that are about insulin resistance, a lot of things that are about metabolic health. Recognizing the central position of the liver and then the essential nature of needing primary care to help us spot it because hepatology isn't going to cover enough patients by themselves, will move us towards liver health. It will also move us towards understanding the centrality of liver in that entire scheme of diseases and maybe allow us to think about all patient health a lot differently. Absolutely. I'm not quoting Amy Chapter and this morning, but I'm always saying this morning, NITs become so important. Although Amy was the one we were on the podcast with when we decided we're just going to call them tests. Yes. I think that's right. Because they're only non-invasive in the context of biopsy. But blood-based biopsy and machine-based scans and things like that will enable us to figure out for different patients, what do we need to do first? We need to do this at scale. So to do that at scale, it can't be based on biopsies and it can't be based on hospitals. It has to be brought out to where people are Mm -hmm. um, in the context of their lives. And so we need to be able to do this at community health fairs and baseball games. And, you know, we just need to be able to do this at homeless shelters and federally qualified health centers and 
and I don't know, maybe outside the supermarket, you know, so it just needs to come out, out of the clinic and into people's lives in the same way that the awareness of it needs to come out of a sort of a rarefied elite uh, academic space and needs to be in airports and on episodes of Grey's Anatomy. You know, we're ready for our close-up. Donna and I sing of similar hymn sheets, but I think what I'm most struck by with, with Amy's conversation this morning, also Donna, and, and particularly the work that Donna does, you have a famous president called Benjamin Franklin. There's a very famous saying of his, and it sums up where we go from medicine through to patient advocacy, I think. If we look at purely physician-led, we go, tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. Now, that's the nurses, allied healthcare professionals who spend a little bit more time in the front line. So that's why patients then get that intervention. And then where the patient advocacy and particularly strong of GLI is involve me and I learn. But not only do I learn as a patient, I learn from what GLI have done in the space for NASH and NAFLD and other liver diseases is that the farmer are now sitting up and learning about how patients can be involved, should be involved and are now being involved in that programme. There isn't another one line or sentence that basically sums up everything that's happening in the space at the moment and transcending everything that Benjamin Franklin, I suppose. And it, it just struck me, the more I'm listening to all of this and being involved in that space, it divides it. And that's what Donna's achieved through GLI and will continue to do, I'm fairly sure. But getting it into the public space, as we know, is the domain that I would like to see it in and make it local. If you put a, a fence in the way, like on a Grand National, the higher the fence, the more people fall. And the more fences you put in the way, the more horses fall. And people fall at every fence. So um, you we've got to bring them down we've got to get it local we've got to get liver health as normal conversation if you've got a healthy liver you're generally healthy around that liver for the majority cheers to that i'll just take this opportunity to say happy third birthday to the surfing tsunami podcast thank you to roger for always welcoming the patient voice and not curtailing the types of conversations that we could be involved in. And I want to thank Louise and Stephen and Jorn and everybody else who has been so gracious in sharing the virtual stage, but the, you know, podcast air space with me and other members of Team GLI and other patient advocates as we work with you across. And we look forward to three more years and beyond in whatever your creativity Activity, uh, comes up with in terms of the next uh, formats and topics and range that these conversations may take. Well, thank you. And all that's coming. And then let me just close this portion by thanking Team GLI. I said this recently somewhere. You come out of pharmaceuticals and people talk about patient journey, but it's a very unidimensional view of patient journey. You get this diagnosis, you go to this doctor, blah, 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 blah. What you have done and what your team, and by the way, Nash Knowledge does a fantastic job of this and Fatty Liver Alliance and some other people, but you've kind of been out front all this is making real all the components of the patient journey. It's not just about the patient journey as the patient interacts with doctors or even interacts with nurses. It's about the journey in the patient's life and all the ways that wellness and illness affect that. And that's a vantage point from which I don't think people can ever go back. There are times where you see something, you can never forget that you saw it. It, it just becomes that flesh of the obvious that changes everything. And I think that you guys have created that, Donna. And you're to be commended because, boy, does it matter. Thank you. Let's let you go back to what you're doing and uh, take care now. Bye-bye. And now, back to Roger. 
We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this interview or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. This weekend, we will be releasing five more conversations that represent the body of the actual episode that Stephen, Yorn, Louise, and I conducted and we released to you folks on Wednesday night. Next week, we'll be joined by the French endocrinologist Cyril Cossy, who will be talking about the interplay between endocrinology and hepatology, both in research and in clinical care pathways in France. It promises to be a fascinating conversation. So until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm.